Hello and welcome once again to the Definite Article, the podcast where we discuss all things Tom Baker and why we believe he was the definitive doctor and how that actually may well have damaged the show overall. Uh, my name's Jim. I am here as ever with me old chum, Andy. Hello, Andy. Ahoy there, mate. <laughs> Ahoy there. Um, today is a very special, it's a very special um, episode of The Definite Article. We are joined with, with by a expert in the world of Doctor Who. I'm going to say that. He's an expert in the world of Doctor Who. A guru, almost. A huru. So, oh, nice hello. one. Thank you. So hello there to Mr. Lee Moon. Lee, thank you for joining us today. Uh, hello, boys. Thank you very much indeed for the invite. I don't know whether the guru, guru is the right word. Probably just a, a person with a very loud voice. And uh, as, as you put it, Jim, um, plenty of opinions. So thank you. That, that's exactly what we need. And I should, he's being very modest, folks. He knows more about Doctor Who than Andy and I put together. So uh, listen in. He knows what he's saying. Um, before we uh, crack off, Privet, I should say, to our crack Russian off. fans out there. Crack Hello. off. <laughs> Hang on. What? Do that <laughs> again, mate. Was there some sort of weird Russian tenuous link? Yes, there was. We have some Russian listeners, so I thought I'd say hello, actually. And Go on, man. Privet. There we are. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. You sounded Welsh. No, it like didn't. you were talking about a hedge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, as. Where's the we... Privet? <laughs> Be quiet. <laughs> I'm desperate. Do you listen to this, Mr. Moon? Can you see? This is what I have to put up with. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway, so as we know, we are randomised around each and every one of the stories that Tom Baker uh, performed as the Doctor missing out, actually, as we say, Sharda and perhaps any of the specials. But anyway, from there on in, we do everything. And our randomizer previously has sent us to Genesis of the Daleks. Is there a response? <laughs> Who's laughing now? Me, just because the way you said it. You, uh, you do this whole sing-song thing when you introduce it, like, hello, everybody, it's me, yes. Jim Harper. And then you go, Genesis of the Daleks. It's uh, You are possessed by the spirit of Bill Shatner. That's uh, all to I'm be saying. honest, I felt I was back in the 70s because it felt very much like the BBC announcing just before the show. That's a great point. Maybe that's where it's come from. It's deliberate as well. Thank you, Lee, for noticing that. That's A number of my supporters have said the same thing. It, What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Jim, kick anyway, off. Get, get this right. thing rolling. Where now, are we? Yes. Now, listen. So, I'm yes. going to. Uh, this is what I'm going to ask the two of you. First of all, Genesis of the Daleks is, as we know, and anybody who's listened to uh, or watched rather any Who over the years, it's it's often placed at the very top of the Who stories, the the greatest episode stories, whatever of Doctor Who land. Now, before we break it down in any detail, I want to ask the two of you. A question. Mm -hmm. If you know, this is sort of linking into is this the greatest story or not? If you were showing 
somebody who'd never seen Doctor Who before, a story that you wanted to sum up everything about Doctor Who to get them to become a fan, which one would it be? So, Lee, tell me, what, what would you do? Who would you interest? It doesn't have to be Tom, if you don't want which it to be. But who do you think? Mm, which story would you say to somebody, look, this is definitive Doctor Who? So, Jim, you see, that's, just before this that's goes on, difficult I, because I my default that, that, would be always, yeah. Go on, sorry, Lee, jumping in. Yeah, um, you see, my default would always be talents, but I don't know whether that just because I think it's a cracking story, but I don't know whether that's atypical. Um. And I wouldn't want to put people off with rubbishy effects, uh, but I would want them to to have a look. And I think you you boys mentioned it uh, in one of your previous podcasts. I, do you know what? I would probably plump for pyramids, pyramids of Mars. Ah, uh, pyramids of Mars. Now you see, that's exactly exactly what I would say. Pyramids of Mars. Andy, what about you? No, you see, I wouldn't go there, mate. I would. Um... While I think that is a brilliantly executed Who story, which kind of does sum up everything, I personally, for the whole sort of um, the B-movie aspect, I'd go for um, Brain and Morbius. It's got the kind of gothic oh, yeah. taint, and um, it, it tells us a little about uh, the Doctor and the whole Time Lords kind of thing. Um, I, I'd go there first opinions that's good I, that's good i like that yeah yeah i yes i know what you mean actually when you say that actually it, it makes it does make perfect sense we i suppose really there's just something we just say the same before andy says it jim yeah because <laughs> he gets very upset if we don't say the same things he says so <laughs> No. Now, Jim, my concern here is that you are going for what they call in podcasting world padding. Should we get back to the um, the thing in uh, the, you know that we're talking about? I thought I'd throw it in there just because everybody says Genesis of the Daleks is the greatest oh, yeah. story. But there we are. I have been. Well, there. hang on. If you're just saying that, is it the greatest Doctor Who story or is it the greatest Dalek story? I think Hit. the two are slightly different. Here we go. We are off and running with Genesis of the Daleks. Okay, then. So, Genesis of the Daleks, which was broadcast 8th of March, 12th of April, 1975. Uh, Lee, you're the guest. Tell us what happens in Genesis of the Daleks, just to get us going. Uh, well, the origins of... Uh of the Daleks, where well, it's the first time we meet somebody that we'd never even heard of before, which was uh, Davros. And um, it also, I suppose, ties in with how uh, the Daleks were created, but why there is a, what's happened with a bit of history with with the war going on between the, uh, the Khalids, as they are now called in this story, and the Thals. At the time, up in arms uh, fans were because it didn't tie in with what Terry Nation had uh, previously said. So um, it was quite interesting because I was trying to remember while I was watching it, the furore that went on when the episode was originally transmitted. So there you go. There's How? a brief. A brief. 
you see, that's uh, I'm uh, I'm delighted you're here, Lee, for that very reason. What <laughs> then? Because I didn't know this. I would have been <laughs> I'd have been lost on what exactly had been said before. What had Nation said was the background to the Daleks before? Well, he called them. Uh, they were a different name. I think they were called Dals, um, and it was supposed to be that there was a big nuclear war. Uh, and I'm, I mean, I'm a big confession. I'm not a great fan of the Daleks anyway. So uh, even though my mate had this the history of the Daleks book or Dalek pocket book, I believe it was, it went roughly into it, and it said that um, the Thals were quite. Uh, an ugly looking race and the war then transformed them both. So the Thals became all these the beautiful people and uh, the Dals were then uh, mutated. There was nothing about uh, an evil scientists uh, at all. Um, and I don't know whether I'm misremembering or whether I thought at the time that it sounded like that the Thals were the ones who uh was probably the more aggressive out of the two, but through the war and the mutations, because of the radioactivity, etc., that it swapped them around. Um, somebody, I'm sure, will ring in and go, you got it wrong! But at yeah. the time, this was a completely different genesis of the Daleks. Oh, so oh. well done. Thank you. Are you a professional? <laughs> Fantastic. My word. Where did he get him? Where did we get him from? What happened there? Um, so, all right then. So that's, yeah, that's a little bit there. Andy, tell us. Let's go. Story. What did you think from kickoff? Well, <clears throat> it's very difficult because I'm having to sort of separate my childhood self from my adulthood self. Yeah. Hmm. And uh, I, when I watched it as a kid, I found it terrifying. And the, the the whole sort of the, the the societal setup and the sort of intrigue and the double dealing and also the fact they kept the Daleks kind of back you know until mm. I don't think it's till episode three or four that well, it might be two I can't remember um, how old were you Andy I would have been five wow you see I was twelve oh wow eleven, 11 coming up to twelve yeah. Oh, okay, okay. So for me, it was you know just a frightening thing. It was, and it and it reinforced the Daleks as something to be scared of, because what I like about them, I suppose, in this story, is that they are uh, they're not just you know these fucking idiot robots wandering around trying to take over the universe. They are slightly nasty slaves that you know that oh. have probably got their own agenda, but they haven't worked it out yet. And I prefer that to the, we are the Daleks, we're going to take over the universe. I like the idea of them being subservient, but not entirely being happy about it, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I like that. That's very nice. I never thought about it like that. They're sort of, yeah, the idea that they're sort of the slaves mm. to people. Yeah. I. Here's here's how I sort of remember it, which is slightly differently. I how old were you, Jim, at the time? Uh, I was uh, twenty eight. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I was. I I was uh, six six years old okay. then. Six when it yeah, when it came out, and I think 
I found it a bit long-winded when I yeah. was young. There were, One there year were of maturity show. just changes it all. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I, it was, yeah, it's one of those, it was one of those ones where, as, I, as you say, Andy, there were some very terif- scary moments, terrifying moments, and Davros was terrifying and so on. Um, but I found it all a bit long-winded. Now, f- from the sort of time you'd have been watching, who, when you were a bit younger than Lee Singh, you've got a few years on us. Mm. Uh, ah, look at you, Mr. Polite. <laughs> No, I'm just saying that there were longer stories were a bit more de rigueur, weren't they? There were a, a number of stories that went on for much longer than six episodes. Yeah, especially Pertwee's first season. Um, yeah, and it, it, they must have been good in order for people to tune in each one. Mind you, there's probably not much opposition uh, on ITV. I can't even remember what was the opposition. Jimmy Clitheroe in the 60s, but that was, that was it. <laughs> look at me, look at me. Come on. <laughs> Let's alienate everybody who's listening. That's great. That's brilliant. What a great reference. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. But sadly true. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting because as a 12-year-old watching, or 11-year-old watching it, I, I don't get me wrong, I, I thought Pertwee was, I mean, I'm I love Troughton, but I thought Pertwee was, was good as the Doctor. But towards the end, I started to, I just thought, oh, I wasn't that keen on him. And then when Tom Baker came along, it was, wow, this is this is good. And I remember watching, is another kid's reference, uh, Why Don't You? Oh, what a great show. Oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. And it was one of the earliest seasons of Why Don't You? And somebody had drawn in, uh, so sent in a drawing of the four then current doctors. And I remember, it hadn't been going for that long, one of the kids went, and there's that silly Tom Baker. And he yeah, wasn't yeah, yeah. universally straight off liked by some kids. And I remember in the playground, People were, for those that did speak about Doctor Who, because it was very hush hush. Uh, he didn't want to admit it. But um, <laughs> is that a bad memory for oh you? God, it, I, I still sweats. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought he was a breath of fresh air, and I I I loved it. But when it came to this Genesis of the Daleks, I'm 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 with you, Jim. I thought it it went on a bit. And because I'm not a great fan of the Daleks, one of the first things I thought of was they're the wrong colour. Oh, wow. Oh. What colour should they have been? Well, I, previously in a, in a John Pertwee one, they were the, the sort of silver with black bumps. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they then uh, right early on when we, we saw them with Hartnell, not that I remember those, but obviously I'd got my reference books, and you know, uh, I I remember thinking, well, if these are early Daleks, these shouldn't be this gunmetal. So it was, I suppose, I was getting into the point there where I was thinking, this isn't quite right. And, but for me, it was okay. It wasn't the best story out of the season. I seem to remember. Oh, that's fascinating, and also, oh. I mean, that it is. Would you say is the best Dalek story as opposed to Doctor Who story, if you know what I mean? Well, not having 
not having seen evil, only hearing about it, and everybody says, oh, that's great. I mean, I don't know whether that is the greatest dialect story. I think probably it is. Um, I mean, I love, I actually love the um, the first story. In fact, I prefer the Peter Cushing film. Uh, and I remember, oh. I, I, I know, Sacrilege. Oh, and I, right. I remember with the second film, I actually, um, uh, oh, well, I was reading the book and I was quite shocked about the the two old ladies in the cabin um, the, betraying them to the Daleks. And I found that far more, no, I'm going to go with that. I think this is the second best Dalek film. Oh, well played, mate. Um, have either of you guys heard of the 2005 film Abducted by the Daleks? <laughs> um, isn't, that, isn't that the adult one? Yes, it is. <laughs> now, <laughs> while I was nosing around Genesis of the Daleks as my research, I chanced upon this, and it is, it's it's what they call a grown-up yes, film. Yes. Um, and and I have no what idea. was your opinion? Well, <laughs> very good. <laughs> um, w- within adult entertainment circles, it seems that it is slated beyond belief <laughs> for, for no plot, no no nothing. The Daleks, the, apparently the Daleks are of various builds and don't, they're not sort of uniform or anything like that. They're just a load of rubbish. Um, but uh, to any well, over 18 year old. Was it written by Terry Nation? Was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, because the, B- the BBC tried to sue the backside off them. For some reason, it's still out there. I, d- I don't know why. Um, so as I was going to say, for any t- eight, over 18-year-olds out there, um, abducted by the Daleks is going to be your next port of call. <laughs> can I Can I just ask, Andy, when, whenever you get uh, caught with these adult films, is I'm doing some research, your default excuse? <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful caveat, mate, and uh, it's got me out of a lot of trouble. You should see where I went with Terror of the Zygons. <laughs> now, interesting you say that, because there is a slight adult version with the Zygon in it. No. Yes, there is, and it was a. I think it was a Bill Baggs film, or connected with with Doctor Who. But yeah, yeah, some uh, Zygon. They're having sex with a Zygon, which is a Zygon female. Yeah, there is. Yeah. How bizarre! Back to something you said, Lee. Before, yeah. But I, I think we should probably get on with the the, the episode in a minute. <laughs> yeah. But back to something you said about to the. Um, <laughs> shut up, Jim. The. <laughs> Sorry. Um, <laughs> Uh, about the um, the way the Daleks looked, yeah, I kind of because this was two years before Star Wars came out, mm. and the way they looked and the way the music played out um, as Daleks appeared or Davros appeared or all the bad stuff happened, it kind of looked to me like it was almost paving the way for things like the Empire March in Star Wars. Yes, interesting you saying that. Yeah, they've got their own uh, theme, haven't they? Yes. Yeah. And also, you look at the uniforms, so like people like NIDA. That and a So Death Star. Very, very similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when we when we uh, talk about, you know, we've been around the houses a, a bit there, the, the story itself, what 
Does that work for people generally? I mean, there's the very obvious things, and it's almost, I think, as if some of the that gets lost in the obvious folklore of who. You've got Davros, he's creating the Daleks. That's such a big part of everything we know, yeah. love about Doctor Who. The story itself, the adventure itself, how good is that? Because I found it all a little bit clumsy, yeah, laid on a bit thick. Do you do you know what I mean, or is that is that just me? No, I Lee. Yeah, thank. Uh, yeah, I I did. I mean, I was watching it, and I, I mean, God, I've I I made a note. I, listen, I'm, this is how sad I am. I write down on my DVDs the date that I watched them. Now I've watched this. I've got eight of them recorded down that I've written it. <laughs> all right, that's how going all the way back from '98 or something like that. But I had the LP, and I used to play the LP, and that was, I think, the condensed versions are better. Saying right. that, I still have no idea what is going on when they say, "Right, we've got a secret passage that will get you into the Thals." So they go into the Thals set Thals dome. And it, uh, and then there's they go on about oh well we've got a couple of resistance scientists we want you to meet well, where's that if it's not in the in the dome and and uh, the bit that I do enjoy seeing because it's always cut out of the edits is that the giant clams that uh, look like whacking great big baseball or foot, American football gloves that are, I love the I love it because to me that's almost like oh you never really you very rarely see that all that is cut. Um, but it, but it is back and forward, back and forward. It's like it's like Tom Rogers from the you know when they used to do that in the cinema. It's too much, and you get lost. Now, something I, I I wrote down while um while watching it was um that what I did like about it, and uh, although I, I think arguably this could be condensed from six to four episodes, but. What I did like was seeing the main villain um, under pressure and we get to sit with him and kind of go, he's got all this shit to deal with. He's not just some megalomaniac going, I'm going to take over the universe. He's got to answer people and he is sort of accountable, um, you know, to the chief scientists or whatever. And he's got to say, yes, well, I'll, I'll shut everything down and all that sort of stuff. And I liked the kind of insight we got to Davros in that he wasn't just some mad maniac, but he occasionally had to sort of batten down the hatches and go, right, I've got to behave myself because there's an awful lot of shit on the line. And I, I found that far more interesting than, than much, I hate to say, someone like the master mm. who oh, just God, go, yeah. they're just a, you know, just a lunatic. And you see, um, I mean, you, everything you're saying there, I agree with Andy up to a point, which is, I, there's some brilliant ideas in it and what you're saying there about Davros and what he had to deal with not being the megalomaniac is all true, but it just didn't seem to quite hang together uh, around him. Everything he did seemed that made sense and was played very well, written very well. The rest of it didn't. And I made some notes there, like Lee was mentioning earlier. If this tunnel's there, and they've got people in there. Has this war really lasted a thousand years? And how could no one neither get in the tunnel quicker than the doctor? And I mean, you know, when I'm looking at it as an adult, but or an old man, but it's it, <laughs> it, it, it mm, doesn't 
yeah, it's a runaround. And it is, let's all aboard the good ship exposition. There is so much. I couldn't believe watching it how much there was a character standing there and then spouting a load of stuff to move the story on. Yeah. Yeah. There was a tremendous amount of, we were told, uh, uh, Davros is making them evil with no conscience. We've got to do something about it. That refrain was going on and on and on throughout. And I I suppose if I were just to uh, sum it up, I would, like you said, Andy, there's a four-part story Mm. in Genesis of the Daleks. I don't think it's a six-part story. Yeah, um, I also I also think that I mean I watch or oh, fast forwarded the um, the on the the blue the sexy bit the sexy bits yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> on the Blu-ray they have the original nineteen seventy five omnibus version and oh, God. Uh, the and they've done various omnibus versions since. And I was looking at it, and the whole section where the Doctor and Harry get, first of all, dragged into the dome, isn't there. You haven't got what's his name oh. from Hello, Hello, uh, you know, <laughs> thing, shouting at them. Um, uh, <laughs> it's not that it goes straight into NIDA. Uh, oh, and it, oh. it's when he then comes, you know, so it's. I would, I mean, I'd like to watch that and see how good it, but talking about NIDA, I mean, he's in it more than Davros. And, and I actually, you're talking about the main villains. What do you guys think? I actually think he's probably the main villain more than Davros. Oh, that's a really interesting point because I've, I've just written him down as, as I mean, he is brilliant yes. in my head. He's brilliant. And he's he's like I've put him down as like Grand Moff Tarkin to Darth Vader. Yeah. yeah, he's obviously quietly trying to pull some strings. Whether they work or not isn't it? But he's fantastic. He's like a walking corpse. Oh. He's just. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? He's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you know what? There was a bit, and I I've missed it every single time I've watched it, and I've got it down on my notes. Um, he's not one dimension at all. And they're talking no. about the mutos out in the in the wasteland, and he says some of them survive out there. That was a line he said, but the look on his face was quite sad. Yeah, yeah, and he yeah, went yeah, yeah. To his his you know um, you know his ranting because the the line well a couple of lines before that. I mean, he's so cold, and he said, "We'll find out what's different about them via an autopsy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was light and shade, light and shade. And and at the end, when he when he gets killed, he's the only one who doesn't scream. Oh, that's a great point. That's a really good point. Jotted that down, and I thought, wow, that's you know, I put that down, and uh, and I watched the end of the episode. Then I switched on the um, the DVD uh, (laughs) fact finding commentaries. Interestingly, it then said it was his choice. He decided he wasn't going to scream because he thought it would have more impact. And they asked him how he wanted to die. And he did. The, his idea was sliding down that post. 
Now, that's brilliant. I just thought, well, I'm, I was glad that I jotted down that note before I saw the, you know, the, the DVD notes. And that's funny, isn't it? Because when we watch Doctor Who back and people die and stuff, you kind of just assume, you know, somebody's gone, right, you're going to die now, you fall over. And yet for an actor to have so much sort of thought about that moment is is brilliant and and really does add to it for the people who are watching deeply. He's great. Absolutely great. brilliant. You know, and there's um, the the bit when they're they're trying to, to get the tapes back and the doctor, you know, says, "No, no, there's no way that that only Davros knows how to uh, to open this safe because you know he's in his chair and he can only raise one arm to about this height." And when he he reveals that, Nida is standing there, and there's just a smile on his face, and oh. he nods and walks towards yes. it. And I just, there's little bits like that. He's class. He's so good. So good. Jim, you're reacting to Lee's revelations like you actually haven't seen Genesis of the Daleks. (laughs) Is there anything you'd like to add? Is that the story we're meant to be watching? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, curses. (laughs) What are your thoughts, mate? No, I'll tell you what, It's uh, I honestly hadn't watched it in that sort of depth. But obviously, you know, you're saying that, I'm thinking back to it. You, you're absolutely right. And, and his performance, I was watching and thinking, absolutely brilliant, absolutely superb, which he is. But though, adding those things is adding a sort of depth that I'm thinking, that is amazing. Cause his it's funny, is isn't it? Because Genesis does play out in, in, a, in a slightly... Shakespearean way, if you like, yeah, in that it's too long mm. and and nobody really comes away satisfied. <laughs> oh, careful, careful, Andy. Uh, it sounds like an old relationship I had. Uh- <laughs> well, listen, I, uh, you guys have, have, have waxed on kind of lovely. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, I'm going to kind of, uh, where do we stand on Raven? He's awful. Is he, though? Oh, stop Which one, it. Oh, now, hold on. Which one's Raven? He's, he's hello, hello. Guy, he's um, guy, oh, guy, guy Siner. Guy. guy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, well he's dreadful, yeah. I think. I mean, I understand what he's they're doing. I would say watch. this. I, 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 I sort of like the idea that you've got very young generals because obviously everybody's getting killed and this idea of in war field promotions lead to young people getting ranks they they wouldn't normally all that's very nice i just found his performance he didn't carry the lines some of which were rather good uh about his hatred of mutos and will kill them all and so on and so forth i just thought his performance was awful I don't know where it was phoned in from, but it wasn't anywhere convincing. And then he's one of the people who uh, is against Davros. He he, he obviously, I mean, the budget, they obviously went, well, look, you fit the costume, so you just come back two weeks' time. <laughs> uh, and then I'm thinking, you should be washing your hair, mate. In the 1970s, we had powdered shampoo. You just put that in and it, it dried it all up. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting that you say about young generals because originally the idea was it was almost like the Hitler Youth and they were to have yes. younger actors. Now, we all know that, you know, if it had been the 70s, it would have been kids from uh, who went on to 
go into Grange Hill and at the, uh, what's the name, all the Italia Conti type, which, yeah, you know, apart from Nicholas Lyndhurst, none of them were that brilliant if you get the old ones. In fact, Nicholas Lyndhurst being one of his earlier parts, that would have been great. We could have had Tucker. We could have had Tucker Jenkins in there. Tucker would have been in, and Alan. Uh, and <laughs> and Alan. Green. Alan. <laughs> <laughs> Alan. But they did the trick that they ITV did roughly the same time as well with the Fen Street Gang. And it was getting small um, or actors of restricted height. Uh, to play young people. Restricted ability. Well, yes. <laughs> and I just think it's a missed opportunity. And looking at it from a modern head as well, I don't normally do this, but I just thought it needs girls. It needs... And watching, uh, watching Game of Thrones and seeing... Oh, she's brilliant. I can't even think of... Uh, names escape me. But just a couple of, of women as... It would have been nice if we could have seen Mrs. Davros turn up in her sort of pepperpot outfit as well, <laughs> sat, beside, sat beside him. Pepperpot skirt, yes, yeah. Going, now, Davros, mean, just calm down. Come, come, come on, the office. Come, come home. <laughs> but I just think it was because <laughs> it's interesting to have young. No, sorry to jump in, Lee, saying that because I, I thought the the only other female character in it, I think it is. You got Sarah Jane and uh, Betan. Yeah, Betan. Yeah. Now, can I give you a bit of trivia about her? Oh yes, you God. can. Why did we ask him? What's going on? She was in the Sweeney. I know that well, much. What about Secret Lemonade Drinker? No, the wife. Is she the, is she, she, oh she's my the God, wife. that's fantastic. She's the wife. Yeah. And that's Elvis Costello's dad, it isn't it? Is. Is that- yeah, he wrote and sung it and the guy mined it. But yes, uh, she's the original wife because they remade it in the 80s with two, with two lookalikes. But yeah, it's her. How fantastic. Yeah. Well, we may as well wrap up now because that's just it. <laughs> Listen, before we go on to Betan and anyone else, I yeah. want to put my case for Raven. Go on then. Because oh, sorry, I man. think what worked, I know it was a bit a bit odd to just see him stood shouting at everyone, but it kind of, for me, promoted the idea that you've got a young, inexperienced guy in filling shoes that he's obviously too small for and just repeating almost verbatim what it is you know the, the the whatever they've been indoctrinated mm-hmm. with as as you know their their outfit and him just barking it out and barking it out and i didn't cop him at all as somebody who might be on the other side no i i, I buy that but i just and like i say i think it's well written i just don't get his performance it doesn't work for no me. it didn't yeah. And and I never I I didn't like it at the time. Uh, I, I he was in something uh, around about in the seventies, and he I, and I remember, and he was he was then in Doctor Who, and I went, oh, he's from, and I'd seen him from something else, but I just thought, oh, you're too shouty, too shouty, love, too shouty. He was very shouty, but I was trying to forgive him for his shoutiness. Yeah, you're a good no, man. it didn't. So um, we've we've been dancing all over the shop with our storyline, haven't we, without going into too much detail. I think we just drop into it anyway as we talk about characters. So shall we we get a jelly baby or two out for the story here? 
out of ten. Do you want to do that now, or do you want to do that later? Well, I don't know. I do, is there is there lots more you want to talk about the story? I'm happy to talk some more about it. Uh, of my my feelings, is there stuff? Is there more specific stuff about the story you want to say than Andy? What? No, there's nothing I want to say about it, Jim. Good, Lee. What do you want to say about the story? No, I, mean, did you... I I don't I, I don't think. I mean, it's a run around. I think it was it was quite. I think it it worked introducing something new with the Daleks. I wasn't a huge fan to to moan about. They've they've changed it. Of course, you know, uh, you know, changed the origin. Should I say? Um, I thought Davros was interesting. Um, well, why don't we go there? Why don't we before we start slinging jelly babies around? Yeah. Let's go on to the, the the big man himself. Sorry, Lee, to interrupt, but crack oh, on. That's fine. No, I thought he was. I thought I thought Davros was interesting. And again, I'm trying to think what I thought at the time. For me, having somebody there like Davros, I felt weakened the Daleks. It's the same as, and I have the same feeling whenever it's um, you have the hero, and then you see the hero's dad. Recently, it's been done in in the American version of Sherlock, and you have Tommy Lee Miller playing Sherlock. He's the brainiest thing in the room, and then his dad comes along, and then you realise actually his dad's really good. It weakens the major character. America, a lot of American. Um, TV series do this after a while uh, and I felt at the time that you're weakening the Daleks uh, That's interesting Jim, do you, can you what's, what's your thoughts on that because I know what mine are but go on Well I, I've seen um, uh, Elementary which uh, is the Sherlock thing Yes, that's Lee's right talking about in america and uh, uh yes i know what he means about that davros for me no he didn't weaken the daleks that is something that didn't occur to me at all actually within the story and i don't know if that's just me plucking genesis of the daleks out there as a, as a story on its own i i no i didn't see him as weakening them i thought he was absolutely fantastic i mean he's brilliant and at the end actually it adds to the strength of the Daleks by his stupidity of what he's done with them turning on him at the end. You know, the fact that he's seen so much ahead, and I think you spoke about it earlier, Andy, he's brilliant the way he's having to deal with all the crap that's going on around him and still make his plan work. And yet he's missed the most obvious thing of all, which is the moment he tells them not to have anything to uh, pity or whatever about any other races. They're the master race. He's done himself in, uh, and uh, yeah, I thought it actually added to the power. Is this the, the problem you have in your household, Jim? As the, <laughs> the Davros figure, as the Davros figure in your house. Yes, <laughs> but that's when I dress up, especially <laughs> Davros. Um, you see, I'm kind, I'm kind of I'm sort of fifty fifty here because I know exactly what Lee's saying. In that, the moment you kind of go, and here's the guy who made it happen everything else that's gone before kind of looks a bit sorry. But with um, the way Davros was revealed and, and who we found him out to be, I then 
became aware of the Daleks as an extension of his madness rather than an independent sort of outfit, which I liked. They're, you know, they're, they're his creation, they're his ethos, you know, made incarnate and all that sort of thing. Um, and I liked the danger, the dangerous aspect of them being slaves rather than sort of autonomous beings, which I think has worried me later when they are turning up dressed as bloody multicolored pepper pots in mm. Matt Smith's tenure and going, well, we're going to blow you away or whatever. You just go, ah, fuck off. I just, I would like somebody to be kind of putting a leash on them, but for them to be straining against that leash. And so they've tried everything since with, you know, Daleks being mad in the Asylum of the Daleks and Daleks being a bit upset or tired or whatever they are. I like the idea of them almost like sort of pit bulls which one guy has created and is going, I've got these fuckers on leashes, but my God, they're really trying against it. And the moment they bite back is interesting. I, I don't know. I'll throw that out there. See what you guys think. Do you then think uh, Davros should have come back? Because a big no. thing for me has always been... I'm with Lee. No, just stop, no. stop your question. Move on. Good. Absolutely. No, 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 I, no yeah. because then it becomes weaker and weaker and weaker. Yes, uh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That, well, that's nailed that one. Yes, we all agree. Yeah, he, he becomes weak, weaker and weaker. Absolute rubbish from there on in. Yeah. I, those are very good. They, yeah, they're very good points, Andy. And I just, uh, but as in, so all right. So what about Wish's performance then? Do you, at the character as uh, realised in these six episodes, what do you what do you think of that? Lee. Bloody brilliant. I just think there he is. He's sitting in a chair. He's got one arm uh, sticking out. He's he's got to do it all through his voice. Um, he's he can't see. He rehearsed with a paper bag over his head, um, and I mean it's just it's just incredible, absolutely incredible. And and I think Terry Malloy came pretty close. Um, I can't remember the Which name. one was he? Where, where was Terry? Terry Malloy was... So you got... Terry Malloy was the third. So he was the one that you saw with Colin Baker... With Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy. And he does Davros for Big Finish. Um, and the, uh, for David, somebody or other, I think, unless I'm getting canine um, number two mixed up, he did the... He did the uh, second Romana Doctor Dalek story. David Bradley is it? Okay, um, and he was awful, absolutely awful. Uh, <laughs> but I just think Michael Wisher is Davros, and the mask is superb. It's never been better. Yes. Never, not even it's with perfect, the isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's funny, isn't it? Because it, it, it being the seventies and so on, and all, the, and these sort of budget restraints, what have you, it's still the best mask. It's got worse and worse yeah. as time. Freelander, I think, was the guy, or something. Uh, uh, forgive me if I'm mispronouncing the name. He did a lot of the the masks and and uh, did the beautiful original Zygons. Um, he was just a genius, an absolute genius, and that mask is superb. You know. Yeah. I don't think of oh, it's 
it's a, occasionally I go, oh, but I never, I'm, I buy into it. And I don't know whether that's the performance um, that's holding, so to speak, the mask together. But I very rarely think, oh, that's a mask. Yeah. Because later on, it's too much. It's too much of a mask. And, and Were you guys I'm, as fucked off as I was later on when Davros opened his yes. eyes and had a little cry? Yes. What? Yeah. What was that ridiculous. Stupid. Dreadful. Stupid. I mean, he, he, you know, for so many years, he's kept his eyes closed and decides to open it. And funny enough, I thought about that story while I was watching Genesis. And I thought, you see, this is stupid. There's no way that he would have, you know, half-heartedly remembered the Doctor um, and, and had that green, horrible sonic screwdriver stuck in his in his drawer for a memory to come out. And again, you know, I think I think there was an opportunity that Moffat missed more than more than the memory. I mean, if you think about it, if the Doctor saves Davros, Davros goes on to kill. Uh, sorry, Dick Danfrost goes on to make the Daleks. That's one scenario. Yeah. If the Doctor doesn't save Davros, Davros becomes bitter, probably mutated in the TV version. The Big Finish have got a great version of how that all happens. And therefore, the Doctor has created Davros by not saving him. So either way, the Doctor isn't going to win. But Moffat chucks all that out after a brilliant the first episode and has... Missy messing about and dancing with the Dalek and Davros over. Oh, it's just absolute bollocks. Oh, absolute yes. bollocks. A complete waste because then you've got it. Whatever the Doctor does or doesn't do, he's helped create the Daleks. Well, back to the Wisher, just, yeah. just building on what you've talked about and that, that mask. In my head as a kid and as an adult, there was no way that within those sockets there were anything like eyes that were going to work ever again. No. So the fact that he suddenly popped open these baby blues and started flirting with the 12th Doctor, I would just I thought it was awful. Absolutely. See, and there was a one previously, wasn't there? I don't know which story it was, where he had a uh, he could fire rays from his, his eye in his middle of his head. Oh, that was... Hell, yeah, yeah, that was um, the... Uh, Colin Baker one, um, no, I think that's just that. Yeah, and they just. But I, I quite. I mean, I know we're jumping, but I, I question whether because Moffat's the same age as me. I question whether he was watching the same series. Did he ever like it? But that's a, <laughs> that's another. I mean, let's do a podcast on about. Let's do that one. I agree with you. That's a great one to do. That's yeah. a great one to do. But let's bring it back to the Wisher. What did he bring that we don't think anybody else did or or that where he fell apart? I felt that what he had about him was the insanity and, and shouty, shouty, I think is what people remember. But what I love from him best of all is the quiet moments. You know, that stuff where he has that, let's uh, just stay for a minute, Doctor. Let's mm. have a chat as two men of And is sign. that because his insanity was rooted in some twisted logic that we've not really seen since? Yes, and I think we talked about it before on one of the previous uh, uh stories we did podcast we did andy where about sutek there wasn't uh, there was a, a complete logic to what he was doing so sutek was i destroy things that's what i do so you can't tell me i'm evil it's my good and i'm going to crack on and do what i do and davros has a logic about what he's doing it, it that logic takes him into insanity 
he, he overreaches, I suppose you could say, for want of a better term, and it, it's driving him mad. But he has logic behind it. The project has started out as a good idea or a way for his race to survive. So I, but I think the character works and the way it's played, those quieter moments, those wonderful moments where, you know, Nida's getting a little bit nervous saying, look, they're all together at the moment. Why don't we kill them all? Let me get some guys together with some guns. I'll sort this out. And he's like, no, no, you can't, you can't kill an idea. It my way's best or whatever it is he says. And you think, wow, it's just, it's brilliant. It's brilliantly put together and brilliantly played. Lee? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, there is, but is that because we've got six episodes and we Ooh. then have a chance to, you know, this is the plus, I suppose, with old dramas, is that you can have that idea of a character being, you know, being, see more of the character. And I agree, the quiet moments are great and just him tapping on his desk you think, what the bloody hell is he yeah. doing now? I mean, he's got a load of switches there. What's going to happen? But he purrs almost. Yeah. And that's just evil. It's yeah. It's just, <laughs> just like a spider sitting on Do you not like cats? <laughs> <laughs> evil cat, yeah. Um, but he's just, I mean, he's, he's yeah. Yeah, he's sitting. If he could pounce, he would. But that's what he's doing. He's sitting and waiting to pounce. But as a scientist, yeah, he wants to talk. Let's talk. Scientist to scientist. He's... Which is kind of horrible, isn't it? Because yeah. you get an insight into how his brain works and you're kind of going, well, he's not really singing from the same hymn sheet of the rest of us, yeah. but I can kind of understand the words. And it's that, yes, I would, you know. That whole speech he would destroy that. Hold on. Yeah. Wish was in the room with us. What happened there? Jim, Jim, no, no, but, but before we go any further, can you do your impression of Davros doing the I would do it thing? Are you, is everybody sat down and ready? Yes. Yep. Here we go. <clears throat> yes. Yes, I would do it. Stop laughing. I'm midway through. Yes. Yes, I would do it. That kind of power would set me up above the gods what do you think it's amazing it's your turn <laughs> it's amazing Has somebody got big finishes number please i think right i'm going to shift this on because we, we we've all sat here and gone um wish is great let's talk about the companions let's talk about sarah jane and harry and let's should we bring better into the mix as well no nah. I don't think she's. I don't think she's a companion in this story. I think she would have made a great companion in future stories. I remember her thinking she was quite striking because she had short hair, and at the time that was wow. But watching it again, you know, <laughs> I just thought, no, oh, no, 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 no. You're you you're not you're not freedom fighter enough. I can imagine you. Still standing by that freezer, waiting for your husband to come down with a secret lemonade drinking. I can't chuck her in. You see, I put down that she was ace before ace ever happened. Uh, mm. no. All right, no, moving I on. <laughs> I, no, I don't. And to be, but, but to be fair to uh, the actress and to, to well, I suppose the character, whatever. I don't think it, it, the character is particularly well written. 
I think suddenly out of nowhere, yeah. she becomes a freedom fighter leading this little gang of people with their explosives. There uh, didn't seem to be no, there didn't seem to be any hint of that when we first meet her. No, so, but to, uh, to, I mean, interestingly, she, it, that character wasn't written as a woman, first of all. So good on yeah. them for making it different. And do you know what? I think she did a great stab at the part. Um, I agree. And um, she was not, but she hadn't got the material. I wouldn't have classed her as companion mode, though. Fair enough. Well, let's uh, let's let's talk about Mr. Harry Sullivan. Right. Now, you see, I I know that they they were Lee. You can correct me for sure if I'm wrong here, but they were thinking of uh, they were going to go back to an older Doctor, weren't yeah. they? So uh, Ian Martha was there to be like the action man for the for those type sequences. While we had an older Doctor, was that the idea? That was, yeah, yeah. And I, one thing I've never been convinced of with Harry like him though i do is that he was an action man he was always a bit of a buffoon um and unfortunately at the same time he uh, he never convinced me that he could be a doctor of any kind as in a you know an md i, I wouldn't have trusted him with anything uh, you know i i love him he's so fantastic who did you so, want then uh, doogie hauser yes yes or quincy and i think jack klugman would have been a brilliant doctor jack klugman would not have been able to run around in tom slay off he would have been fat and he'd have got well sam would have been his assistant is that the name of the guy in, that was in it, it was <laughs> you'd be wanting dick van dyke next as uh <laughs> blimey doctor it's them daleks <laughs> That would have been. I don't. You say that now. I'm thinking Jack Klugman would have been a brilliant doctor. They missed a trick. Oh, anyway, <laughs> God. Well, um, unfortunately, not in his later years. Oh, as Wait, the cigarettes that he used to smoke did ravage his voice box. <laughs> he'd have been Jacaster Davros at that point. <laughs> Um, anyway, if, I'm in this one, and I, yes, Harry's one, and I, I, unfortunately, it's going to uh, Sarah Jane as well. I don't think they're very well served at all. The companions in this story, and Harry's made to look like a bit of a donut sticking his foot in the clam's mouth. Um, oh yeah, wow! I, see, I see it differently. I think he's the oh. less less of an idiot than he's been in previous stories. I agree. And he's done that lovely thing where he goes, you know, tells the doctor to, you know, how to get your foot off a landmine thing. I loved that as a kid as well. I thought that was really clever. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. And and you see an awful lot of care involved, but also a lot of organisation that we haven't quite seen of him before. Now, interestingly, interestingly, this was the last story that was recorded. So for me, watching it, I thought they got it. After so many months of working together, there is this shorthand. And the doctor yeah. spends a lot of time with Harry. In fact, when they were first recording, uh, Tom and Ian Marta um, were working quite uh, – they were working more together than Elizabeth Slane, just the way that the schedule went for Robot. But I think there's – I mean, I love Harry. I, I, I've yeah. that only recently yeah. that um, Philip Hinchcliffe thought it was a mistake getting rid of him when they did. Um, I just think he's brilliant and it is up there with my uh, favourite Doctor Companions combo. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that's yeah. great. Oh. That's a yeah. good thing. Love that's it. a good Absolutely thing. love it. 
Uh, and yeah, I think it's a great shame that we didn't have more. Jim, how wrong do you feel at this moment in time? I feel very wrong. I feel embarrassed. Um, uh, I'm now. I'm having a little bit of trouble, um, not welling up here. <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm almost getting ready to break into another Wisher impression, or even uh, even a Harry Sullivan impression. Oh, if you, if you go on, then. Have you got one? Um, <clears throat> oh, come on, Doctor! Don't be. Don't be like that, old man. Incredible, um, isn't it? It's just amazing. It's like you've somehow resurrected the ghost of Ian Marta into oh. your podcast room. Um, yeah, I, I, I was, a, I was a big fan of him in this. I know he can. I mean, I, I'm a big fan of him anyway. I love the kind of blustering, kind of old school buffoon that he is painted as, and I'd love to have seen him in something like Talons of Wenchang. Mm. He would have been great in that sort of you know, forever saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. Um, but in this, I thought he was more organised and more caring and just more rounded, I think, yeah. than, than we've seen him before. Yeah. And it's, okay. not, what about it's not his fault that actually some of the writing was inconsistent and they probably made him a buffoon because they think, oh, we've now got a younger doctor, so there could have been changes. So, uh, But I just love him. I, oh, I agree. I loved Harry. He's one of those things that if you were you know if you're playing doctor who in the playground and somebody said right you're harry you kind of didn't mind no and i tell you what i love when they did when they brought out the uh, the zygon dvd and there was that extra little bit that had been chopped away which in the target books we had where the tardis dematerializes invisibly and you get a bonus scene that they've now added on the dvds as an extra and i thought we've got a wee bit more of harry sullivan yeah, I yeah, I agree. Does anybody do him now in the Big Finish? Yeah, stuff? they do. Is, is he... In fact, interestingly, this very week, they, Big Finish um, have released uh, The Return of the Cybermen, which was the original script for Revenge of the Cybermen. Men. Uh, Sadie Miller uh, does Sarah Jane Smith. That's um, Liz Sladen's daughter. Daughter. And I cannot for the life of me, and I do apologise, remember the actor doing it. Now, I've heard a snippet. Sounds great. And Harry Sullivan is coming back in Big Finish. Oh, wow. Tom, the character's coming back. It won't be released. Um, they've recorded them. Um, but I think they're banking them up so that when Tom finally does go, they've still got some Tom Baker. Uh, some in the bank. Yeah. You heard it hit first here, folks. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, uh, I, hope I, so, I hope I haven't jinxed Tom's health. And, no, not at all, not at all. The and, man's um, indestructible. And he's joining again with, and then there's a, a, a unit soldier, and she's she and Harry will be joining the fourth Doctor in some adventures. Uh, and I'm oh. also offended by the new actor playing him. Um, he's doing, you know, it's, again, they're not doing uh, impressions. They're doing um, whatever. Channel. It's a channel, yeah. And I thought, yeah, because... The character was good. Yeah, he was decent. He was yeah. great. Honest. You know, he was, he was, yeah, I like the character. Yeah. I, I always good, wish yeah. that they'd bring something like a Harry back. Like if you, I don't know, if you had a, you know, if the doctor picked up a sort of Victorian gentleman who is full of, you know, uh, sexism and, and all that sort of stuff and, and learns how not to be an idiot, you know, as the story goes on kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think they're I was... trying to do that with a new series anyway with about uh, male fans over a certain age, aren't they? 
Uh, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I think we're all I think we're all being taught that that's uh, within the recent writing. But anyway, let's let's not talk. No. Well, let's I'm talk about I... Sarah Jane. If it, I... we're sort of leading in that direction, Sarah Jane Smith, Jim. I, I think that uh, I, we've talked about this constantly when we've been doing this. I, I love Sarah Jane. It's a fantastic character, brilliantly played by Liz Sladen, badly served in this story. Mm. I don't really think she works in this story. It, it's, it, I don't know. Again, I, is it because it's six parts, so there's padding, and the parts that she's doing seems to be a lot of the padding? I don't know. But I don't think she's very well served in the story and doesn't add to it in the way that she's add, added so much previously. Uh, it's I don't know all that business with the rocket. It never seems yeah. to be quite quite sort of satisfactorily put together. You know, there's there's the idea of doing it. They clamber up. There's the ridiculous fall outside the framework, and then you end up inside the gantry. All that stuff. But anyway, I mean, and then they act tired, and then the doctor comes, and suddenly they're all you know they're not haven't got radiation poisoning anymore. Yeah, it's a bit inconsistent. You're right. She's not well served in this. The thing is, though, I still love her. I still love her. I, 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 for me, it was you know the whole Beauty and the Beast story with um, Severin or whatever he's called. Mm. Oh yeah. I, uh, I, I just find Sarah Jane so engaging that honestly, she she could have gone on a bloody adventure about the Yellow Pages, and I would have been happy enough. Um, and I think that is testament to her as an actress yeah. that even though she perhaps wasn't well served by the script or the story, she still made everything she did memorable, important, and and part of the experience. Including the ludicrous bit where they have to find the costume she's going to be wearing yeah. for the story. <laughs> out of How dare you, out of Jim? See, they all have a bit of a costume change, don't they, in, in a corridor? Yes. I mean, Harry gets his kit off and, and back on again for the soldier's uniform, and she does that, and, yeah. Yes. The doctor goes into his BDSM outfit. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting you say about Sarah. Here's a confession. She wasn't well-liked in our household. Um, what? No. And in fact, my parents or my mum used to say, whenever she was on, they used to go, oh, here's silly. Um, oh, they wow. And I, I, I suppose I was tainted a little bit every time she did doctor. Um, I thought, oh, no. Oh, I love a comment. And however, that said, that said, away from my parents' house and watching Doctor Who and watching this, I have to say that I I think she is the companion. Um, and even though she wasn't well served in this, I don't think Elizabeth Slavin could put a foot wrong, apart from obviously when she's I, climbing up the top of the rocket. But um, she's, she's great. She, no, yeah. I think you've just said it all there, mate. I think that's it. I think Absolutely. that's it. Absolutely, she is the companion yeah. of all companions. Without oh, she's the template. I do yeah. believe she set the template for companions to come, and nobody's ever quite made it up that ladder. Yeah, I agree. no, or up that gantry. We could say yes. with this being the story, we could, Jim, or we could just ignore you. Let's talk about Tom. <laughs> 
you guys, oh, yeah. you guys did something very interesting on one of your podcasts. I, I hate to, I hate to confess. Um, you said, <laughs> probably don't know. you said, can you imagine any other doctor doing doing uh, this episode? Oh, go on then. Now, I uh, bearing in mind where this was right now. Now, Tom's brilliant. I mean, you know, he's not my favourite doctor, um, as Jim knows, uh, but. Five stories in, he's got it. And I love this seriousness that carried him through up until Horror Fang Rock. After it, when it gets all, all, you know, slapstick, I don't like it. Um, but I was listening to um, quite a lot of it, and I was thinking this was originally uh, all ticked off and contracts signed before they knew that they'd got Tom Baker. Maybe some of the scripts oh, wow. changed. I mean, this is what um, Hitch Clifford, uh, Hinch Clifford had been he'd inherited. He inherited these stories. People were still writing for Pertwee. I can hear Pertwee, and I can see Pertwee doing some of this. Um, two scenes, mainly for the the Davros chat and uh, Pertwee saying uh, what's happened. And the other one earlier on, when you know we've got Mister Hello Hello uh, there as well, <laughs> and even even the no tea Harry, I can hear Pertwee uh, saying it. That said, uh, Tom definitely has put his stamp on it, and uh, we're five stories in. Oh, the fifth, this was the fifth one made. Uh, he's got it. He's got it. So. Do you think, I mean, you know, going through the whole canon, is there anybody else who could fill those shoes? I, I could see Pertwee doing the story. It would be a different slant on it, but I could definitely see him do it. That's interesting. Jim? Uh, yeah, I'm not, I I couldn't see Pertwee. Look back on story. those scenes and have a look after this and just think. So, I'm, I completely yeah, Jim. Yeah. No, no, I wasn't dissing you. I wasn't dissing you. No, he was. You were. You were. I nearly texted you both and said, have a listen at these scenes. And I thought, no, no, I won't. I'll do it afterwards. But have a look. It's interesting. Yeah, but you mean it more for Jim than me. Yeah. No, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Our listener respects me more and wants to hear what I've got to say. And... uh, no, I couldn't see if I was saying, OK, which other doctor would carry the story as well as Tom carries Genesis of the Daleks? Uh, I say carry, not in that the thing wouldn't work if he wasn't in it. Um, again, I don't know. Somebody for me, I suppose, like Capaldi. But even even in saying that, I this seems to me a, a Tom Baker story where he fits in brilliantly. That sort of there is that sort of. A slight comedy to it all but the seriousness behind him he's sort of you know he's almost sort of drawn by this um the the seriousness of the situation he's in how grim it is how it doesn't seem to be working out and i just i think it's brilliant i think it's brilliant for a doctor can who... we can we talk about the do i have the right speech because that i is my least favorite part of his performance Oh, why? Why? It feels a bit shoehorned in, and it feel it feels like a set piece, almost separate from the the rest of the the show, that is designed to kind of 
uh, I don't know, uh, flag up his morality or something like that in a very ham-fisted way. It, to me, it, it doesn't. It's not a natural part of the thing. I, d- I don't like it. But Lee, what do you think? Um, yeah, I. I mean, obviously, it's not his fault that it's been shoved in. I did look at the notes on the DVD commentary, and he did ask how we should play it. They they stopped the recording and they discussed it. I just think it's not brilliantly written, but it doesn't offend me. And Fair I, enough, I think, Jim. yeah, I would agree with you in that. For again, one of those moments that's talked about with awe in the Who sort of world, this kind of—I don't think there's much to be in awe about at all. I think it's it is quite a poor piece of writing yeah. that doesn't really go anywhere. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like that a bit at all. I'm like you, Andy. I find that quite a boring part of the story. Um, he has much more interesting things to say uh, when he's being interrogated by Davros, for instance. Um, about Where he's brilliant. Yeah, he's absolutely brilliant. He's betraying the future, and you can see that. And, um, you know, just the look on his face that time, he believes he sent Harry and Sarah off to the dome, which has been blown to pieces. So many more convincing and interesting m- moments in the in the story itself than that rather strange little moment that goes nowhere. See you next week, folks. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, in that case, I'm going to be the uh, sort of party pooper because this is now turning into the the longest um, episode we've done. Um, Shall we reach into our um, pockets, pull out some jelly babies and cast them upon our consoles? Okay. God, that's nicely put together the way uh, you did all that God, thanks mate that was beautiful <laughs> well um so for let, let's go for the story out of 10 how many jelly babies and if you feel inclined note the colors jim um for the story itself um i was between seven and eight jelly babies and i suddenly thought uh, seven seems a bit miserable so i will Give Genesis the Daleks um, eight eight jelly babies out of ten. Lee, well, I've gone for seven, but then saying that I've bitten the head off one of them, and so it's six and a half. <laughs> <laughs> crying out loud! What, what colour did you bite the, the, the head off? It's Just the yellow one. I, I I hate the yellow, but I'm, I'm deforming the yellow. That's fair enough, mate. I see that as some sort of Khaled mutation. Um, I've gone with you, Lee. I've gone seven. It's it's good, but it's not something that, uh, like we were saying earlier, if you're going to introduce somebody to who, I wouldn't choose this story as as the way forward. So I'm giving it seven. I'm going to give it reds and oranges. I mean, you know, black for me is the ultimate colour on this. I love the you know, black current thing. Um, so I'm going for uh, raspberries and oranges. Um, let's go to the companions. Let's go to Sarah and Harry. Jim. Um, yeah, I, obviously I lumped them in together because the companions, is, I've gone seven for this. I think they're poorly served. I mean, you know, as, as we've said, there's nothing wrong in their performances and rarely ever is with the two, two of them. But I've put seven because I don't think there's much interesting going on there. 
That's interesting. I've gone for eight just because I love them. And whenever they turn up, it, you know, I always find it a breath of fresh air and they're, they're great and they anchor the story. And as a viewer, you kind of feel part of the gang because you know them and you know their experiences. Lee? Uh, I'm going to go for 10. Hey! I just, ten. even if they're, even if they're in the background, just nodding and reacting at 10. Top wow. man. Top man. <laughs> That's fantastic. Man. All right, well let's let's go for the bad guy. Now, quick question. Um are we are we just going Davros or are we going Davros and the Daleks and you know Nidra and Raven and all that those guys behind him? Where do you want to put it, Jim? Um yeah, that's a very good point, you know, because when I was making my notes about this story, you know, I didn't write down the Daleks at all. I I made no mention of them. Yeah. At all, isn't that strange? I may, I had no thought. All I was thinking about was Davros and Nida, and um, I don't know. I can't go. I think they're ten. I think they're both amazing, absolutely amazing in it. So I gave them, I gave them ten. Fair play, Lee. I'm going to go nine for Davros and ten for Nida, just because Nida surprised my adult head while I was watching it. That's and what, great. That's so really as soon good. as we can't put both of those together, should we put 9.5 jelly babies, another bitten in half one by the brutal Mr. Moon? Yeah, go on then. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm in with a nine. I think Wisher does an extraordinary job, and I don't think he's ever been bettered. Um, and I did like his gang of goons, you know, corpse-like and shouting. I did. I, I loved them. Um, I suppose if I was going to take a point off, uh, just because I felt like it. God, you're a beast. Absolute God, dear. What, so what are we left with now? The story? No, we well, no we're left with Tom. The Tomster. Yeah. Yes. The top, go on, Lee. What do you think of Tom uh, in this? Well, you see, I love green jelly babies, so I'm going to do a mixture of green, red, and black, and ten. I mean, he's five stories in, and he's the doctor. That's, yeah. that's brilliant, Jim. That's nicely put. Uh, I I would give Tom in this story. Uh, you see, I take the only reason I take a point off, and therefore it isn't his fault, is the rather silliness around the. Um, Look, mate, the, we don't need your diary. Just tell us what you've got. <laughs> <laughs> I'm cakes in five minutes. Come on. <laughs> I think you two are much more forgiving to each other. Every time I've tried to say something, <laughs> you're just jumping all over. Nine, then. Nine. There we are. Nine. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of torn between you both. I, 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 with with Jim, I'm kind of going, yes, I understand what you're saying. With Lee, I kind of go, yeah, absolutely. Five stories in, and he is the Doctor. I'm going to go nine and a half. Oh, oh some of this half business comes up. Just Blacks and reds. Jim, you've got the pen and paper, or should I say the TARDIS computer. Could you two chat amongst yourselves just for a second Wait, while I try and add this Little Jimmy's got to do some adding up. <laughs> Remember the big numbers go under the big numbers. <laughs> just shut up and talk to each other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I on. thought he'd be there as we were saying it. <laughs> puts his own down, he just has to add hours to it. It's not 104 jelly babies. Wow. 104? 104 jelly babies. What's that out of? Well, how many of us are there? Three. Yes. <laughs> and there's 40 for each. 
uh, there's 40 uh, for each. Uh, so out of 120? Out of 100, yes, all right. Out of 120. So where does, where does that sit on our um, on our roster so far? Well, obviously everything yeah. up to now has been out of 80. It's uh, So we'd have to do some percentage work, which I refuse to do right now. Um, <laughs> it's... it's um, it's not going to be up the top with uh, Pyramids, which is our top one. I don't think it's going to be higher than Ark in Space or indeed Brain and Morbius. So actually no. you don't know is what you say? No, I don't know. Yes, don't perfect. Know. That's what we need to know. We'll have it next time. Don't worry about if it. Every t- can I just check something here? If, if every time Lee comes on, are you going to be bullying me like this? Yes. Lee, can okay. I just officially ask you, yes. please be present every time we do this. <laughs> it's great. It's I'm great. Happy join in, chaps. I'm happy to join in. Perfect. Have you found it, mate? Have you found it? I've enjoyed it. It was good at watching and appraising what I'd seen as a kid, trying to remove it, get, still getting that excitement, and just having a good old chat. That's uh, something that you could never do too much in the playground because you were seen as a right sano until uh, 2005. But then I was too big to be in the playground, and they told me to get out. So Didn't uh, stop you, though, did it? <laughs> Well, what I'll say is, Jim, we're going to move on to the randomizer, which will tell yes. us where we're going next. Lee, if you are happy to be part of it, please agree to it. If you're not, don't. Um, but let's find out where we're going. Jim. Okay, I have pressed our randomizer of fun. Off it goes. And it is. Oh, oh, this is interesting with something that Mr. Moon said earlier on, if he is about, this is the horror of Fang Rock. Oh, I'm in. The horror of Fang Rock. Yeah, you're in. Brilliant. All right. Lee's in. First story of season 15 for anybody who does or doesn't know or care. 77, 78. Yes, the horror of Fang Rock. And uh, anybody who listens back to this will remember Lee said something interesting about what was happening with Tom by the time we got to Horror of Fang Rock, and I believe there was much. So, yes, we are going to be talking about Horror of Fang Rock, all being well. It will be the three of us again. Anything else anybody wants to say? Uh, no, apart from thanks very much for having me. You're welcome. Um, I'd just like to say thanks very much, Lee, and uh, be great to have you on board for the next one if you can be asked, uh, and if I can be asked, I'll be there too. Brilliant. Thank you, guys. Great. Thank you, Lee. Thanks for coming along. Thank you, everybody. I hope you'll tune in again next time the definite article appears. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.